Beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. together want to go and be not drunk with wine where it is excess but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your hearts wait let's read verse 18 again Spirit of living God, thank you because you are here and you are here to do us good. We decree and declare that our hearts are open and ready to receive your word. To bind every external force that tries to hinder the word. We decree so mightily grows the word and prevails. It prevails in every circumstance and in every situation. Jesus, in your holy name, we declare. Amen. You may be seated. We're still talking about marriage and relationships, okay? 
Let's start from verse 18. The Bible says, Do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Still struggling. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord, giving thanks always to the Father, always for all things unto the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to begin to talk about the popular wives, submit to your husbands, and then husbands love your wife. Contextually, it shows you, therefore, that you really cannot enjoy marriage without the Holy Ghost. Contextually. And there goes my episode title today. It's Sea Culture, Compromise Culture. And it so fits into what we are going to be talking about, what the Spirit of God wants us to do, so fits accurately. What exactly is the compromise culture in the Code of the Elves series? Um, it's actually me giving you codes. And I hope you, 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 you notice that I'm giving you codes. Last week I gave you a code. What was that code, please? Now, I said a lot of things, but I said a lot of things in one hour, close to 30 minutes. But there is a code that I was very clear to mention. Um, and when I got home, I really realized that I actually didn't spell it out like I normally would. It's the mirror effect, right? It's the mirror effect. That's code number one, the mirror effect. Your marriage and your relationships is supposed to mirror Christ and the church, right? Obviously, I just didn't say the mirror effect last week, but I'm saying it now. It's the mirror effect. Um, it is the template that has been given for creating something. All right? And that template is Christ and his church. Okay? So, that's the mirror effect. Um, you can choose to mirror something else, of course. You can choose to mirror society. You can choose to mirror other things in your environment. You can even choose to mirror your own experience. Alright? You can talk to people out of your own experience. That's up to you. But the real ideal for marriage and relationships is the mirror that of what Christ has done with regards to his relationship to the church. Praise the Lord forevermore. So, that's the code number one. Code number two is avoid the compromise culture. Avoid the compromise culture. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Alright, so, um, just by virtue of living in a society where everybody has an opinion of the direction that your life should go, what you're supposed to be doing, and everybody has a say on how you're supposed to raise your kids, and how you're supposed to live your life, and all of that. And society also has an opinion, all right? Um, the louder the opinion, the more the tendency to compromise. 
the louder the opinions of people, the more the tendency to compromise. Depending on how loud the opinion is, um, that's going to determine um, if you're going to tilt towards compromise or not. Do you see what I'm saying? So, we have a culture, especially in marriage, that always pulls people towards compromise. So, the conversation would be, I am finally a mister, or I am finally a missus, as against, I chose to do it right. I chose to follow the design. Be, who cares about that? I mean, so long as I'm not a missus, you can put some respect on my name. Some respect. And some others will say, well, it doesn't matter how I got it, I finally have my ring on my finger. So we are going to be talking about that compromise culture today. And we are going to be looking at it in all its ramifications. It's interesting to me that Ephesians 5, which is where we see the whole love your wife and submit, actually starts with do not be drunk with wine where it is excess. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. So, I'm actually, this is it, let's talk ideally, right? And then we'll talk about practically, right? So, ideally, I'm supposed to be full of the Spirit whilst I'm speaking to myself. Now, does yourself include the one you're going to marry? You are so speaking to yourself, full of the Spirit. It's not, it's not, it's not popular. Yeah? It's not popular. But let me, let me start on this note. It makes sense to me that Paul will start with being filled with the Spirit. It actually does make sense to me. You know why? Because there are different kinds of love. There's Eros, there's Philadelphia, there is, you know, um, what's Philio love. There is what? There's Eros, there is what? Which other one? But there is agape. Agape sits on the zenith of, it is the self-sacrificing, self-sacrificial love. It describes the love of God. Now look at this. The Bible says that it is the Holy Spirit who sheds that love abroad in our hearts. Can I tell you something? It means, therefore, that an unbeliever or a believer who doesn't take his, his or her relationship seriously. Well, it's actually an unbeliever. A believer still has the Holy Spirit. But here's what I'm saying. An unbeliever cannot have agape. An unbeliever does not have agape. You know why? Because the unbeliever does not have the agency that distributes agape in your hearts. So before you come back and say, I found someone that I want to marry, we click. Instantly. Boom. We connected. <laughs> but uh, he's, not, he's not really, he's not, I can't really say that he's saved like that. <laughs> but we click, oh, ah, we click. Just know that um, that compromise you're about to make might be very costly. That guy actually doesn't have the love of God. Listen. He may have heard about the love of God. Does not mean 
that he has or has experienced or has opened up himself to the love of God. Can we say amen? amen. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Alright, so I told us last week that the idea that God has for marriage is that it mirrors not your society or your environment, but that it mirrors what Christ has done for us. And you look at it, if you look at the remaining aspect of it, it says, wives submit yourselves unto your, hus- unto your own husband as unto the Lord. Alright, for the husband is the head of the wife. Even us. Can you see the comparison? The husband's responsibility is compared to Christ. The wife's responsibility is compared to Christ. It's, it's just so simple and so basic. It takes a human mind to complicate it and to spoil it. Husbands love as unto Christ. I don't know anything that is more basic than that. It's so clear. One of the things that I love about God is that as, as mysterious as He is, as high-sounding as He is, He's still understandable. You see, if one of the things that would frustrate you if you're trying to talk to a very highly intellectual person, a PhD in metaphysics or something, is that when they start to talk, you can't understand. Oh God, I can't understand. Well, yeah, that's because you're not on my level, you know. I mean, I, I really, you understand. But God in His almightiness, when He begins to speak, He speaks so plainly that the most foolish individual, in quotes, can clearly understand. So, this whole relationship thing actually starts with you. Interestingly, it starts with you being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amazing. <laughs> starts with you being filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking will be easy. Speaking to yourself. So, it's not just the it's not just the, the um, surface kind of being filled with the Holy Ghost. It is actually the real intimate, you know, depth of being filled with the Holy Ghost. That, that actually should be experienced in marriage or in a relationship. Have we gotten that? Alright, so that we are not compromising in our stance on these things. And I, and I said this really, I'm really not talking to anybody in this room. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking to the person that you're going to marry. There's no instruction that the person you're going to marry should be the right one. None. The instruction is to you. You, you be the right one. <laughs> You be the right one. If you can be the right one, don't worry. The right will attract. Isn't it? Isn't that what we say? The right will attract the right. So you be the right one. It seems like, you know, in everything things work. Then when it comes to as human beings interpret it, it begins to have, you know, different magnets will attract magnets, isn't it? And so when it now comes to you, it now looks like there are layers upon layers. Any layer that is, that is not as simple as it is now, now you put them. 
It's you that introduced it. Alright, let's go to Psalm 68 from verse 5. It's a lot of work to be done, but I'm going to compress time. Time is compressed for my sake. Amen. <laughs> Psalm 68 from verse 5 into 6. Look at what it says. It says, He is a father to the fatherless and a judge of the widows. Is God in His holy habitation. I'm reading from the King James. Verse 6 says, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth those which are bound with chains Alright, he bringeth out those which are bound with chains. I want us to do the quick comparison. And we're going to read this same text in the ESV. Very quick. ESV says, God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. Now, take note of something here. That there is a connection, look at this, between putting the solitary into families and prosperity. It's what, now, does, does, are you saying that I can't prosper if I'm single? Of course you can't prosper. Come on, Jesus paid for that, right? But there is also a connection between putting the solitary into families and prosperity. Look at this, it says he settles the solitary in a home, he leads out the prisoners to prosperity. So there's that connection there. Now that word solitary, please take note of this. Solitary is the Hebrew word yakid. The word yakid means that the person is alone, number one, alone. Number two, unique. And number three, beloved. That word solitary is the Hebrew word yakid. It means alone, not lonely, but alone. Unique and beloved. Interestingly, that's the same word that is used in John 3.16, yakid. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, that word only is yakid. So, it's saying that he's alone, but not lonely, unique, and beloved of God. So, when it says that he gave his only, it is describing the kind of son that he gave. Alone, not lonely, unique. Is Jesus unique? Is Jesus beloved? Good. So, the idea is that the solitary who understands that they are alone, but not lonely. They are unique and beloved of God. So, everybody here must understand that you don't beloved, become the beloved of God when you marry. You are the beloved of God even before you marry. There are many people who actually believe that life starts the moment they get married. No, it doesn't. Life started the day you were born. <laughs> Number two, you were born to be loved by God. Number three, 
you have to understand that though you might be alone, it doesn't mean you are lonely. And you can be in a relationship and still be lonely. So when it says he sets the solitary in families, it is the word yakid. Now somebody might ask, but the Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. That word alone in Genesis is not yakid. It is B-A-D, bad. That's the Hebrew word. And the word bad is different from yakid. In the sense that it means to be without help. So, it is not good for man to be alone. Means, now you know that man there is actually, anyway, let's, let's leave that for a bit. So, it's not good for man to be alone. It is that it is not good for man to be without help. Now, that Adam was alone does not mean that it was good for Adam to be alone. Let me explain. Adam was already a yakid. God was saying he needed to be bad. He needed to be giving someone to help him. But it is only healthy yakids that deserve a bad. Only healthy yakids. So, Adam was already, he was... Alone, but not lonely. He was, hello, did God love Adam? I doubt that you would come down in the cool of the day to have fellowship with somebody every day that you don't love. Adam was created in the zenith of God's image. Okay? So, come on, man. When I look at you, I see me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about your stature or your face. I'm talking about the imprint. Oh boy, this is powerful. The imprint of life that God has was in Adam. The DNA that produces life was in Adam. So, Adam was already yakid. It is healthy yakids, healthy solitaires that deserve to be in families. Why is this so important? People want to be in relationships as the cure for their loneliness. People want to be in relationships as the cure for them not finding themselves. People want to be in relationships as the cure, as the cure of you. You say, he will help me find me. She will help me find me. No, Jesus was giving for you to find you. Not any man, not any woman. So he will help me to find me. She will help me to find me. It's not the design. Healthy your kid. We all find our identity in him. Then we go out into the world to influence using that identity. It's not the other way around. Otherwise, I will give you an imprint of what I feel your identity is that is separate from what God says. So, the word it is not good to be alone is the word bad. In other words, Adam's purpose was bigger than him, so he needed to be aided. He needed to be helped. Are you getting what I'm saying? Awesome. Hello, church. Hello. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? So, it is healthy your kids. Somebody say your kid. Y-A-K-I-D. Let's say it together. Say your kid. Then say bad. B-A-D. Alright? So, it is healthy individuals that go into relationships. Everyone must be a Yakid. But guess what? Not everyone might need help. Oh, okay. Not everyone's purpose might need help. But everyone might be, must be a Yakid. Well, Paul's purpose didn't need help. <laughs> didn't need so, not everyone might marry. Some of you might not be thinking about marriage. Don't let society make you feel like you're off. If you feel you can be celibate, you can stand it, and you feel like your purpose or your calling or your assignment doesn't, doesn't warrant or requires for you to be a bad, or your purpose doesn't need marital help to make it happen, go for it. Say amen, church. Ah, why is this place a Presbyterian church? Say amen. amen. <laughs> but brothers and sisters, not everybody wants to marry. And the, the, the earlier we come to terms with it, the better. Now let me tell you, so long as this, is, this decision is not born out of a man-hating spirit, or a woman-hating spirit, or you're not struggling with something you dealt with in your home, or something you dealt with as a growing-up child, or something that happened to you in your past. It's none of that. It's just purely from a place of health. That look, you know what? For where I'm going, I don't need this for where I'm going. And, and you can handle celibacy. You can handle being alone. Oh, well, I'm good. Now, if it is born out of a man or a woman hating spirit, you need to be helped out of that. Don't cover anything up. You need to be healed. From that emotional hurt or pain. You don't hide behind that. And say, well, uh, not everybody has to marry. No. You have to be honest. If, if this what is going on. If that's what is going on, you need to be healed. But if it is that your purpose doesn't require you to have to be married. In other words, you don't need that kind of help to be married. You don't need to marry. And you don't need society to force you into a place where you have to be married. Brings me to the other side of the fence. Marriage is for purpose. Yes, sir. Yes, amen. Yes. I will say amen to this conversation. And I say amen, 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 and amen. Marriage is not to suit the fleshly feeling. It's not to suit your status. You know, when I've seen plenty of movies, you come in, and, you know, you know, and you're just like that. And then, and then, for the glam, for the glam, for the glam, for the glam, for the red carpet, for the red carpet. They ask you, what are you putting on today? I'm putting on a blue, 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 baton. I'm putting on a Chanel, 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 Chanel. I'm putting on a, what's she wearing today? She's wearing a Salvatore Ferragamo. Brothers and sisters, the camera will not always be there. When you wake up in the morning with bad breath, God help you. And guess what? Some of you actually should not live your life. I say this very humbly. 
please, I beg you in God's name, don't live your life without knowing you will stand before Jesus one day. Yeah. Don't. I'm begging you. I'm just begging you. Hey, brothers and sisters, you know, I'm just begging you. This is from my heart to yours. I'm really begging you. Because you know that you have really gone with the culture when you forget that one day I will, I will answer to Jesus. I will stand before Him. No, no, no. Not the, not the white throne judgment. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> no, no. Not that one. You know, I've thought, go and listen to my message. Go and listen to my message of last year. Go and listen to it. This is not that. I'm not doing that now. No, but when you stand before him, the conversation would be, he will, I bet, I can promise you. I promise you, he won't ask you about who you married. I promise you. I promise you. He won't ask you about what house you are preaching. Good. The power of God is in this service. I just know. Kai, worship team. God bless you. I see them. They are, they are not talking. Look, let me tell you, eh. When you stand before Jesus face to face, he's not going to ask you what house you lived, what school you finished from. You see, all those things we get is for your status here. It's not to put respect on your name here. It's to put feather on your cap here. There, those things don't matter. They don't. The kind of house you lived, the kind of car you drove, what shirt you wore, how much it was. It don't matter. Use those things here. It's good for you to look good. Alright? You see, the things that will matter, and I'm saying something to say something. Things that will matter are things that pertain to the kingdom. He's going to ask you, what did you do with your money? What did you do with your time? What did you do with your skill, your creativity? That's what he will ask you. How do you spend your data? <laughs> and it won't be you see, it won't be in a condescending. He's talking to himself. I feel him. I feel him. He's talking to himself. He sees you in himself. Let me tell you, what allows you into heaven is that God sees himself in you. What allows you into heaven is not that you did good or you didn't do good. You did bad. No. What allows you into heaven is that he sees himself. So, so when he's conversing with you, he's, he, he's just, he's asking you, you know, like he's talking with love. But you'll be asked, child. <laughs> and I'm telling you, marriage will not come up. If you have a scripture that shows me it will, please bring it out. And the Lord will ask you, who do you marry? I told you last week, I told you, that from that day, when he asked Adam that question, and he only asked, anyway, when he asked Adam that question, and, and Adam answered, it is the woman you gave me there. So you want to blame me? Alright. From now on, let it give woman again. <laughs> Find your wife. Find your husband. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the things that matter. I like things for status, but... We have to not, you see, and that's a compromised culture. You so follow the status things that you forget the real things. And you forget the things that are actually truly important. So brothers and sisters, I said all of that to say that marriage is for purpose. Purpose is for marriage. The two are interwoven. So the degree that marriage is not helping you fulfill purpose is the degree to which it is not needed. Kai. And to the degree that 
you are getting married, but that marriage is not for is not helping you channel you in the direction of God's purpose for your life. You don't need it. You don't need distraction. It's a distraction. Something that the Almighty God will not ask me about is a distraction. It's only important within the context of his need that it helps me to push in the direction of my purpose. So I'm not marrying for marrying Seiko. It's not ring that is hungry me. If it's ring, I can go and buy as many as I want. Oh, it's some of you before you came, I, I, I love rings, I still do. I love jewelries, I still do. You know, I used to wear my class ring somewhere until somebody stole it in Golden Tulip and he paid me. But I, I, I love rings. So I can just go and buy as many as I want. Especially if it's black. Change it. Platinum or something. What's the name of that, of that metal? <laughs> you know, just change as much as I want. Marriage is for purpose. So the degree that it helps you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Can we say amen? amen. So you have to be a healthy kid in order for you to be bad. You are not half empty looking for the other half to complete you. It's not half empty, half empty to come together to be full. It is two whole people that come together in marriage. It is two whole, two healthy people who actually enjoy their uniqueness and their belovedness on their own, that comes into the union of marriage. Can we say amen, church? Amen. Oh, church, can you say amen? amen? Are you being blessed already? So, brothers and sisters, marriage does not complete you. If you were lonely before you married, chances are you'll be lonelier. If you had a low self-esteem before you got married, chances are the marriage will pull out more. So God's idea is to heal you through the Word. If you are not healthy, if you are not whole, please, I beg you in God's name, be alone. <laughs> be alone. Say amen now. Amen. Oh, church, say amen. amen. Write this down, please. You should not draw your identity from the fact that you are married. Your identity should not be drawn for that, from the fact that you are married. You shouldn't allow a marriage to define who you are. Your identity is drawn from the finished work of Jesus and not from a marriage. The definition of who you are is out of the finished work of Jesus than it is from 
your marital status. So when I hear the question, do you know how old I am? It should be, do you know how grown I am? Because growth is not a function of age. Growth is a function of revelation. How grown are you and how aligned are you to the design for which it was given? Actually. (laughs) And we say amen. It is society that tells you that you have to marry at a certain age. You see all those parameters? They are societal driven parameters. You see, do you want to go God's way or not? Hello, church. You want to go God's way or not? Look at, look at this here. A person, a full person, full grown person, full human being is not worth anything until there's a ring on their finger. The devil is a liar. How many of you know that Isaac was 40? Isaac. Shay, you say, Father Abraham has many sons. Let's sing together. Many sons. Some of you are remembering Sunday school. I am. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. Stop. <laughs> that, that right now. Left. <laughs> I stopped it at the place where it was getting sweet. <laughs> Let, go and check. Isaac was 40 when he got married. So you see that? You see this pressure? That you put yourself under. I'm, I'm now, I'm now, I'm now, I'm now, I'm now, and I'm not, I'm now, and I'm not. <laughs> it's man made. You make a decision when you believe you are ready. Let me, I said this in the, maybe two years ago in this kind of um, conference. I did not see one person, one person, to whom marriage was a prayer point in the Bible. When I say prayer point, I mean fire die, Lord, my husband this year, if you don't give me this year. The only person who was, actually the only person who ever prayed about marriage was not even for the person, right? It was that he was being sent and what he prayed, which which is part of what I'm going to do, if I don't get there, I'll do it next week. What he prayed was, Lord, give me good speed as I go. That was all. In fact, he made it so easy. Lord, just, just guide me. Do you understand? But the whole, Lord, uh, uh, they will see me. Who is covering you? Lord, let my husband see me. Lord, let my wife see me. Lord, let me, uh, who is covering you? <laughs> who is interested in covering you? Really? What's the problem in this Africa, Seth? <laughs> What's the matter? Everything has to be tough, tough, tough. Everything has to be tough. I've not seen. It seemed as though the moment they wanted to get married, that they decided they wanted to get married, they just got up and just married. So in in the moment where, actually, in the moment where you are single, okay, there are more things that should be, like, that you will not marry. Is it that you are, are you an, even handicapped people say they get married. That you will marry which village? Which village? What? Which village? I don't understand. I 
And then for the ladies, they say, well, their biological clock is ticking. Says who? Who started the clock? You see, look, what I'm saying now, you might laugh about it, you might whatever about it, but you see, these are guiding compasses. Ah, 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 ah. You carry it on your head. Ah, 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 ah. So, the moment somebody is celebrating their next birthday, they're not even happy anymore. Next birthday has come. I'm still single. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Then you read your Bible. You see that you read it. <laughs> you see that you read it upside down. How do you read your Bible? Clock. Who started the clock? They told you. They told you. You see, the problem is that many of you read your Bible like it's a history book. Not like it's a compass to guide your everyday living. They told you that somebody was 90 and she still had a baby. And then they told you, alright, that, you know, she entered into a city. You know what kings have in his harem? You know what he has in his, in his, his concubine? You know what kings have access to? Then king is desiring this 90-year-old woman. Ah, ah. And then taking her by force. Say, put her in my bedroom. That's the one. And then before he tried anything, God had to go and say, if you, <laughs> you are a dead man if you touch. The guy was up and about, ready, over a 90-year-old woman. A biological clock did not teach. He talked. That's why it's TikTok. No, no, he didn't enter like that now. He, he didn't enter like that now. People can push people. Can push, it's actually dry. People can push people to their... <laughs> can push people to their grave. Oh. He didn't enter like that. <laughs> ah, ah, who are you? <laughs> Glory to God. Your biological clock is not ticking. And if, if anything, you have a redeemer. Who buys back time? Some people have experienced the best of their really. Oh boy, may we not live in bondage. May we not live in bondage to traditions of men. May we not live in bondage to conversations that do not line up with God's word. And people are talking to you now. They are describing you with everything that aligns with society. At your age, you've not. At your age, you've not. At your age, you too. At my age. 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 At my age, at my age, at my age, people are carrying heads at 17. Heads. At my age. Because everybody wants to look a part. Man. Ah! God can deliver you, shall. Ah, whatever the Lord is doing in your field, ah, the Lord bless you. In my own field, things are going well. Amen. And if any day, you know, oh boy, let me tell you something. This is powerful stuff that I'm teaching right now. God is okay with you not being content with where you are. Mm, yes, but he didn't say ask society, he said ask me. Yes, sir. He told David, he said, ah, if what I gave you was not enough, couldn't you have asked me? Would I give you more? Why did you go and ask? Why did you go and do it on your own? See what you've done now on your own. Ask me. Ask me. 
You don't like the quality of life that you're living? Ask me. That conversation, take that three days. Ah, Kai, is this my teaching or is this service? Take that teaching, enter inside, lock the door. Lord, ah, we need to be moving faster. Oh, we need to be moving faster. Ah, we need to, not because you're mirroring anything in the environment. I just sense in my heart that there is more. And you have more for me. Let's go. But never will society tell you, this is how it is done. This is how it is done. This is where you ought to be. This is where your mates are. Your mate, I don't have mates. I don't have mates. I don't have mates. But they will never compare you with mates that are no longer here, right? That have kaput. It's only mates that are, you understand? No, 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 I don't have mates. I don't have mates. I'm in a class all by myself. And that class is God's class. And myself. And that class is God's class. He's stingy. That is aradacious. Stingy. So you want to check his use of money. And you want to check his faithfulness with little things. Small things. So if you find a guy who can't keep a job. He's always jumping from job to job to job to job. Four months, one job. Another four months, one job. Now we can understand when you're just starting out and trying to get your balance. Alright, but if, if it becomes a consistent pattern and a lifestyle. No, there's something about stability. Your head on your shoulder. You understand? Focus. Alright, that tenacity to keep on doing what you believe. Do you even have convictions at all? Because faithfulness comes out of deep convictions. You understand? I'm faithful to the things that I'm convinced about. Okay? So, you're looking out for that faithfulness there. If he's lacking, he's not the one. How does he handle little things? Chances are, he may start little. If your uncle did not leave you an inheritance, or your dad did not leave you an inheritance, chances are, he'll start little. Amen? Amen. So, if you're not looking... Out for his management of the little. Some of your ladies are not looking for the little. You're looking for the maid. Go and meet them. Go and meet them. Faithful in little. And faithful in the use of money. And I really want to talk about this generosity stuff. So look, let me tell you. The atmosphere of your home is set by how faithful your husband is with resources. Amen. So he's always he's always focused, narcissistic, focused on himself. You know, nothing moves him. Nothing. No. The Bible says that the one who is faithful will abound in blessings at the end of the day. You you have to believe something enough, all right, to want to see it come to fruition. Faithful in the area of your purpose. Faithful to the things God has called you to do. They might be small, but you're faithful with them. Stickability. Can we say amen? So, the Bible says, Every man will talk about his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find So, number one, what? Hey, church, number one, what? 
Number two, Proverbs 19 and verse 22. I'm not so much dwelling on some of these things because I want to be careful for time. Proverbs 19 and verse 22. Let's read it together. Want to go? If you read it from other translations, let, let's read it from the NASB translation. NASB says, what is desirable in a person is his kindness. That word kindness is another word, haset. It is called loving kindness. So, what is desirable in a man is his kindness. In other words, that's his graciousness. So, ladies, you're looking out for a gracious person. You're looking out for a gracious person. Gracious with how he treats you. Gracious with how he treats offense. Now, look, especially with how he treats offense. You, you, you don't want to be with somebody who cannot forgive offense. Because you will offend. Or you might offend. So how gracious is he? What is desirable in a man is his loving kindness. That is what makes you guys desirable. Your loving kindness, not biceps. <laughs> not, not triceps, not all of that. I mean, it's good to look buff and to look all of those things. But what really makes, if you use that biceps. <laughs> so what makes you desirable is your haset, your loving kindness. Now ladies, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to forgive you the moment you say sorry. Ah, but I'll say sorry now. Mm-mm. Hold on. Give him some time. Sometimes they, we internalize. We internalize. Alright? You know, so give it some time. Apologize and mean it and just go. Alright? Let us process the entire thing and then you know what we'll, we'll... But look, if that processing starts to hit two weeks, three weeks, one month, silent treatment... No. No. You know what? You know what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Kindness. Because he's supposed to love you the way Christ loved the church. Does Christ give you silent treatment? <laughs> See, I'm not talking to you today. No conversation, nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it's your loving kindness, brothers. Your loving kindness. Your hasset. Your faithfulness and your loving kindness. Your graciousness. How gracious you are with offenses. Listen, not just offenses of, of, the, of the lady, but offenses of people. Because I, I really want to tell you that the essence of us mirroring redemption is that it will help us to live long. You carry offense so much, scientifically proven offense causes diseases so scientifically proven evil you cannot live a long healthy life with offense with bitterness so so ladies look let me tell you 
ladies and guys, okay, um, none of you should be gossip partners discussing other people. Yeah. You see. And washing them down. And, and then when you discuss them, let me tell you, see, let me tell you something. Because if you spend your time devaluing somebody, there is a mirror effect of that. That what you actually truly believe is that people are not valuable. And very soon it will begin to reflect among both of you. Because she's a human being, you're a human being. No, we can't spend our time tearing people down, calling them names, discussing them, dissecting them, tearing them down. There are better things we have to do with our time. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> it may not sound very popular, but that's the truth. You can see couples like that sit down. They have nothing to do with their time. No visions to cast. No nothing to do. They, they, four hours they are discussing. You know, and you're just discussing people. And just tearing them apart. Haba. So what's the first thing to look out for? Second thing. All of this is in scripture. Amen. Number one, faithfulness. Number two, graciousness. Let me just give you the parameters for that and then we'll close. So, how does he treat offenses? Alright? How gracious is he with his words? Um, who can help me here? Faithful in little things. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the gracious part. What are the areas that guys can be gracious? Gracious with you in terms of your weaknesses. Yeah? Not putting it in your face. Cultivating. Because that's actually the first job God gave Adam to do to Eve. Cultivate. Praise God. Graciously building you up. Well, ladies, can I say something? <laughs> ladies, can I say something? The picture of Christ and His church is that you must allow yourself to be built up like that. All the ladies say amen. amen. Hey, are there ladies in this church? Yes, say amen. amen. You know, because sometimes every every introduction of a conversation to you might seem like an attack. Mm. <laughs> no, but it's not an attack. No, we're just saying that you can graciously go. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed this morning? Last time I came here, I told you I'm not a relationship coach. I'm a pastor. And I want to put that out again. I'm not love doctor. Sorry? Code. Oh, okay. I already said that. Who, who, who can tell me what the code for this is? So let me explain how the, this compromise can work. So all your ladies, he's not, he's not, um, you don't see any signs of graciousness. You don't see any signs of faithfulness. You don't see him, you know, being gracious with his words or, you know, the way he treats people. You know, he treats people like they are beneath him. And let me tell you something. Can I say this prophetically over, 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 over this church? Can I just say this? 
there's an atmosphere that we all move around with. And I want to say this very strongly. Ladies, the reason why you must really look out for these things, though, okay, is very important. Though. Sometimes it sets the atmosphere of the home. Watch how he treats people, though. Watch, watch how he treats people. Watch how he treats people that are beneath him. Watch it all. Watch how he talks to the driver, to the gate man. It's an atmosphere setting up. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you. So you get off that high horse there and you talk to people like they are human beings. Humanize them. Make it decent to talk to people. No, that's a gentleman. Are you getting what I'm saying? Don't talk to people in a condescending way. Because that way now, we are going to create an atmosphere where our kids are not talking to people in a condescending way. That you have money doesn't mean you should be rude. Amen. That you're wealthy doesn't mean you should be rude. That you're well-traveled doesn't mean you should lose your respect. Brothers and sisters, bowing down, when I say bowing down, taking the posture of honor and respect, is not, it's a universal thing. So you traveled, you have, your passport is like this. So what? You know where I'm coming from? No, no. It's an atmosphere setter. We want to talk to people like they're human beings. Some of you are shouting about what they are talking about, cats and all that. You are shouting. It's because they have built a system, even though it's biased, but there's a system that actually finds honor in little things, including flower. Say, don't kill it. So you, you train yourself to begin to see honor and dignity in human beings and talk to them with respect. Can we say amen? Talk to them with honor and dignity. That thing is a, it's an atmosphere setter. Same way, his generosity is an atmosphere setter. Except, brothers and sisters, you want, to, you want to really struggle with lack. Oh boy, let me explain how this thing works. There's, there's an other, otherworldness that actually opens our world and makes it bigger. Otherwise, we're left with what we struggle to get. We're left with what we actually have. This world was not designed for... Come. I'm, I'm finishing, but I want to do this. This world was, was not designed there for him to be left with all that he has. And that's it. No. Something has to come into his life to make it bigger and wider. Many times it's people that will bring it in. So his own disposition must be open. Otherwise you're stifling things out there. They won't be able to come in. They won't be able to come in. Ten years of prosperity for his life. Of new openings for his life. But if he runs solo on all that he gets. Some of you, I wonder. He just runs solo on all that you get. No, 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 no. There has to be distribution. There is one that scatters abroad. That still prospers. And there is, you understand, that's how my own mind works. I'm thinking, how do we do this? How do we do that? How do we do that? That's how... Because at the end of the day, God is expanding my capacity. And then, on the other hand, things are coming back to me. They leave my hand, they don't leave my life. Say amen. amen. So what's, what's that there? So, the compromise culture here is that you don't look out for these things. You just say, my clock has stuck. And now I have to marry. It doesn't matter. Anything that is moving on two legs. Anything. Any, any, any way it goes. 
this year is the year. We have to. We must start. Okay, come, please. Um, no, but uh, we don't, our values do not align. Our values do not align. You smoke and drink, I don't smoke and drink. No, no aligned values. But because I've been single for 80 years, we have to marry. We have to marry. This singleness must stop. That's a compromised culture. And let me tell you, if the word of God is not setting your framework, life will soon begin to place demands and have and question your conviction. You truly believe that, you know, um, I shouldn't sleep with someone for a job until, wait until, for whatever reason, you've not had a job for the last three years. And now something big has come. The only thing. Say the only. Say the only again. Make it very sound. Make it very small. The only thing. Finish. (laughs) Is to just allow yourself. And as soon as you allow yourself. On the other side is the big life. Then they tell you. "Ah, What's wrong with you? Do you know how many? There's nothing there. Do you know how many of your peers have done it? And then you are to show the only, the only, the only, that only is the compromise. Now, why do we teach this? We're going to live with those compromises in our culture. Your parents will come to you and say, this is how we do it in our, in our tradition. They'll come to you and say, they must, they must, they must, they must make a white chalk on your, on your belly button. They must, they must draw something. I'm just using different. They must draw something. Mommy, what does it represent? Just leave it. It's just it's what we've been doing. It's, it's been down through the years. Ah, mommy, I need to understand before you make anything on my body. If you're not taught, you won't ask. Hey, let's just do it so that we can just go. Okay, so what if they stay if we don't do it? No wedding. Then you say, ah, please do it all. Just do it so that we we'll just move. Then, when you now read Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's sweet. You're getting excited. Full of the Holy Ghost. It's very sweet. Oh, guys, fire four times. I mean, no, seven times stronger. And then they said, no. Even if, look at the conversation. We will not bow. Because we know that our God will save us. Great stuff, right? Then they go further. They say, even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. So even if this means that you have to walk away, so praise God. Does this make sense? You're going to be greeted with a lot of these things. The moment you find yourself saying, Lord, you understand. Stop. Stop. You are about to cross a line that you know you shouldn't cross. But oh Lord, you understand. I'm done. Thank you for engaging yourself in this episode. The trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hello at blueprintstories.org. 
You can visit our website at www.viewprintsfair.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at the Viewprints Church and on Instagram at the Viewprints Church. 